All right, we go to Romans chapter 16, the last chapter of the book of Romans. Now, I've been dealing with some of the mysteries. We did that in our Bible study. I handled one, I think, Wednesday night, just a degree. I just scratched the surface, didn't get where I want to be. And we get on all these mysteries, we'll never get all that done. But I want to take another one this morning, and I pray that it'll help you as we look at it. It's in Romans chapter 16, and we'll start reading at verse number 24. We'll look at these verses on down through the remainder of that chapter. And I pray that God will help us as we look at it. Now, I'm a student of the Word of God. I love to study it. I wish I'd studied it when I started off a little younger. Matter of fact, when I was younger, I didn't know how to study. And it was years. I preached a long time before I actually found out how to study. I may not know how to study yet, but I certainly have learned uh, enough that I can make my way around in the Word of God. And I found out that you can't figure it out no how. That's one of the first things that ever come into play in my life to understanding the Bible. You say, I'm going to study it and I'm going to learn that Bible. Well, you might as well just forget that. You're not going to do it. You can study it. That's what God said to do. But you're not going to learn it. It's going to take the Holy Ghost of God to teach you. And if you don't have the author of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's got to direct it, you can figure this and figure that. You can dissect it here and dissect it there. But you're not going to learn the Word of God. It's going to be your thoughts and your ideas and your translations and your interpretations and if it's not the Holy Spirit that's give you the truth, you don't have the truth. You got you to warp it and everything else. But I learned to let the Word of God do the speaking and the Holy Spirit to do the guiding and the teaching. So we study the Word of God. And uh, every time I open my Bible, I ask God to show me and reveal it to me through the Spirit of God. And that's what we do. And I've learned that much. And I'm praying as I get a little older, I'll learn a little more. Amen. Don't you hope you'll learn a little more? Don't ever think you've learned it all. If you have, you're full of pride. And the first thing you need to do before you open your Bible again is get the altar and ask God to forgive you. Now, in verse 24 of chapter 16 of the book of Romans. Romans is a tremendous book. I don't know... Uh, how strong or how, how, how great a, another book of the Bible is, but they're all important, and I praise God for it. But Romans is tremendous, and it's necessary, and it's something that we need to study with all our heart. Verse 24 says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now, this is Paul's benediction to the word of the book of Romans. He's already gone through 15 chapters. This is a closing statement. This is the last sermon of the book of Romans that Paul has given us. And the first thing he says in, the, in his closing statement is, the grace, now remember that word grace. I know some preachers that believe it, uh, salvation in the Old Testament is grace, uh, it's not grace, but faith and works. And that 
of the salvation in New Testament is faith and grace. And then they come around and teach that in the tribulation time, when the church is called out of here, that it's going to be, again, faith and works. Now, if you're going to preach that, and many of them do, then that just simply means this tonight, or today, that God has a different salvation for the Old Testament than He does the New Testament and that He does for the tribulation. And God is not changing. He is a God today that changes not. He's immutable. He will not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God in the Old Testament as He is in the New Testament that He will be after the church is called out of here. Is that understandable? We got that? It's grace. Now how are we saved? We're saved by grace in the Old Testament. Saved by grace in the New Testament. We're saved by faith. Amen. And grace. And uh, in after the church is even called out. Now, let's go back and look at this. God don't change His way of doing it. In the Old Testament, He had faith, believing that the sacrifices was going to save and uh, that they believed it was at least going to cover the sins. And God had laid that out. And every sacrifice that they made, it says this. It says that there's coming one down the road that's going to cover and wash away your sin. And we're looking for him and they call him the Messiah. Well, he came. He bled. He died. He arose on the third day. He became the sacrifice. All the blood and goats and animals of the Old Testament. He became all those for you and me. And now we're looking back to the cross. The Old Testament looked forward to the cross. They may not have seen the cross in its fullest. Even though it was explained in Psalms. It was explained in Isaiah. It was explained in some other books of the Bible. But they couldn't see Christ. Amen. They couldn't see the Messiah. But they knew that there was coming one that was going to be the seed. And the seed was going to bruise the head of, of the serpent. And so they had that promise. And it came to pass. Now, New Testament people don't look forward to the cross. We look back to the cross. I haven't seen Christ. You haven't seen Christ. But by faith I believe that he bled, he died, he rose again on the third day. And he became my supreme sacrifice. And his sacrifice is taking the place of my sin. Got me? And then after the church is gone, God's still going to be, they're going to be looking back to the cross. And it's not a different way of salvation. They're going to be trusting the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation in that shed blood. So we look at that. And the reason I said that is because Paul started this off. We hadn't got to the mystery yet. He said, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. All of us have the grace of God if we're saved. There's no salvation outside the grace of God. Now in verse 25, it kind of looks complicated with this thought this morning. But look what he says. Now to him that is a power to establish. Who is that? Reckon. Who's the one today that has the power to establish? What establish? To make you solid. Put you on a 
solid rock, put you on a solid foundation to establish your heart or establish your heart is to build character in you, to get you situated, get you solidified in the grace of God. Now to him that is a power to establish. Now you know who that is? It's Christ. You, according to my gospel. Now how's he going to do it? Going to do it according to his... Now Paul's not saying that I own this gospel. It's the gospel that he preaches. <coughs> so in my gospel, Paul said the gospel that I preach, he said to establish you according to my gospel. Now we all know what the gospel is. And we'll talk about it a little more here in just a minute. He said, and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. You see that? The mystery which was kept secret since the world began. Now I hope this begins to under, make you understand it. The Old Testament didn't know anything about the death, burial, and resurrection. They didn't know. That was a mystery to them. They knew that one was coming. You got that? They knew if they had read deep in the scriptures, they knew that he would die on the cross. Because Psalms 22 talks about that. Isaiah 53 talks about that. But they overskipped it just like us in the days of grace do it today. A lot of scriptures we overlook, we jump over, we walk around it, we stumble over it, and we don't see it to its fullest. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, so he goes in and he says this. According to my gospel, and then he says, and the preaching. And that's what this mystery is. The mystery of the preaching of Jesus Christ. Now to the world, preaching is a mystery. Have you ever heard people say, I don't understand why a preacher's got to get up and holler, scream, slobber. Why can't he just talk? And preaching's different than just a conversation. What is preaching? It's exhorting. It's waking up people. Why is preachers loud? It takes a loud voice to wake the dead. That's what you're doing. Spiritually. If you're already dead, we don't go around in the church going, shh, like we're in a funeral home. Of course, most funeral homes got more noise in it than churches have. I'm telling the truth there, ain't I? Amen. It used to be quiet at the funeral home. You know, when you went to the funeral home, nobody, they just kind of whispered to each other. Y'all remember them days when they did that? Oh, yeah, it was. And you didn't sit there and laugh and tell jokes and stories unless about the one that just died. Amen. You didn't tell no jokes in much. You just told about what they did and talked about how they lived and so forth. And now we just go in and have parties. Amen. And uh, so we're preaching uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul's talking about it come through my gospel. Now the gospel, and I'll tell you again, I've told it many times. I'll continue to tell it, amen, until I draw my life's breath. Uh, the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the scriptures. Amen. Now the scriptures... Matter of fact, that's where we get all our information. Somebody said it's according to the encyclopedia. No, it's not either. Most encyclopedias won't even recognize it much. 
Don't even have the old encyclopedia now. Uh, it's Wikipedia and all them things on the computer now. And they'll, I don't believe anything, and I don't believe much of what some of them tell us on some of those. Because uh, they don't tell it from, from the right sources. Don't get it from the Bible. Then come to the Bible, ain't got a good source, has it? It might be right, but it didn't come from a good source. So the mystery of the preaching of Jesus Christ, and he goes on to tell us that this mystery is according to the revelation. And we wouldn't know what preaching is. Can you imagine the first preacher preached what they thought about him that day? Amen. I guess some of you are struggling trying to sit there thinking, who was the first preacher? Can somebody tell me out of the New Testament? Huh? Well, yeah, but that was, a, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when the church actually got started. I, maybe I went, didn't make myself clear, but yeah, he is a preacher. He is a prophet, actually. He's Lash the prophet. There you go, Peter, on the day of Pentecost. What do you remember? The, do you remember one of the things that's strange about Peter and what they accused him of? What did they say? Said he's drunk. And they said, we're not, we're not filled with new wine. We're not. Hey, this is only the third hour of the day. Well, we've been drinking all day. We wouldn't have been this drunk yet. You see what I'm saying? It's a mystery. Now, the Old Testament didn't know anything about it. Now, they knew what prophets did. They come through and prophesied. And the New Testament preacher is like the Old Testament prophet. You've got to keep that in mind. And so when she said John the Baptist, she's right. But yet he was the Old Testament preacher. And... He was the last of the prophets. Amen. And uh, so we look at that. And uh, he, he, he wasn't preaching the grace of God. Remember, he didn't preach the grace of God like the New Testament preachers do. But Peter did. And he is the first preacher. Can you imagine what happens? They made fun of him. Do you know what people say? Suppose today that uh, me or somebody like me or somebody that preached similar to the way I do and wide open and wound up, was called into the First Baptist Church today to deliver the message and uh, didn't, didn't change their style for the First Baptist Church. Reckon what the First Baptist Church would think about you when you got done. They think it's a wild man. You understand? Well, that's a mystery to the lost. That's a mystery to the... The people, in day, especially to the, the man or woman, don't know God. Why do you want to scream at us? Amen. Yeah, I look at the scripture. I'll give you one of the scriptures in the Word of God what, that the devil loves. You're judging me. Judge not lest you be judged. Have you heard that scripture? You say something against something uh, that's wrong and they'll say, you're judging me. We're not to judge people. And then they'll turn around and say, you're a fanatic. Now what are you doing to me? You're judging me now. Now the Bible teaches us that we, are, we, have, we have to have judgment. But it must be righteous judgment. God teaches us to judge righteously. How can you judge righteously if you don't tell the truth? A man over here believes he's okay with God, nothing wrong with him. Yet, 
he only problem he has, and he don't really consider it a real problem, is he cusses a little bit. You understand what I'm saying? He thinks he's all right. He puts his ties in the church plate. He is good to everybody. He don't go to the hell holes of the world, but he cusses a little. He's taking God's name in vain. Personally, he don't see anything wrong with it. You find another one over here, and uh, they take a little social drink. They don't get drunk. They're not drunkards. But they'll drink a little bit every once in a while. Social drink. Kind of staying in, in uh, line with everybody. He don't see nothing wrong with that. But if you begin to say something to him, you, you're judging me. Now get this, and I don't want to tell you about this. I know preachers that have preached pretty strong sermons, and they put them on Facebook. And the people on Facebook come back and say things to, about the preacher, and they said, I don't agree with him. He's judgmental. But what am I doing when I'm telling you drinking's wrong and cussing's wrong? I'm not judging you. I'm giving you righteous judgment from the Bible. You understand what I'm saying? Now the devil loves that. Well, let me just give you one more a little bit deeper than that. We've got LGBTQ all up and down the country. Personally, I think that's about the least and worst sin that America has ever gone into and done. And I don't believe you can stoop much lower than that. And I believe that's one reason God's going to take America down. And I believe that's the last draw and the last straw. And I believe God is going to judge this country for that one sin. Not, on, not just that one alone, but in excess and on top of all the others. America has passed it legal to, uh, you know, buy alcohol. And drink alcohol as long as you don't drive. They got their little stipulations. God says it's wrong, period. Uh, that God says it's wrong to take lives and murder people unless you go the legal matter and take it through abortion. And you can say all you want to about today, it's not legal now, but it is. But some states are trying to make it Ill illegal, period. But God says no life taken is acceptable. You see what I'm saying? You, you come on down, you find drugs and alcohol. Uh, I'm not, I just mentioned alcohol, but drugs. And uh, they say it's wrong. In some places and other places, it's all right. And we've got a Congress and people in the elites and the high-ups that said, we're going to pass laws to make it legal. And you can legalize drugs all you want to. But God teaches us it's still wrong. You understand? It goes on and on and on and on. Now we've got this LGBT. Now, I was in a place of business this week and sitting there talking. And I mentioned this very same thing that I'm mentioning here right now. In a few minutes, I said, and this LGBTQ junk that we got in the land. And those fellas are sitting there with me, 
kind of started looking around to see who heard me. Why is it that God's people can't speak out straight in the public for it? I'll tell you what, you're ashamed. It's wrong. It's sin. You're afraid you're going to get yourself in trouble by saying something about it. I'm not. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? It's hard. If you do say it, I'm, I'm being honest with you straight. I don't know how to be any other way. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And uh, you can pick on me if you want to. But I, I get out in public and hear people say, uh, you know that crowd today at, uh, you know, the LGBT crowd. You know? Or the, the faggots, or they call them a lot of things. Term, you know, terms are different. But they'll whisper it. Why do you want to whisper it? It's sin! You want me to do that in my preaching? What, you want me to tell it like it is? Or you want me just to whisper it? You understand what I'm saying, don't you? Okay. Now we are finding that to happen in our country. And it's a mess. It really is. But what God done is he give uh, this mystery of preaching. They didn't know what preaching was in the Old Testament completely. Like we have today. Amen. They didn't have a man standing up and crying loud. Well, they had prophets that did it. and But they was always talking about what's going to happen down the road. Now we've got preachers that are preaching what God has done. See, and I appreciate that. So it's a mystery. And it said it was kept secret since the world began. When did it come unsecret? When God called Paul and put him in the work. Preaching is not a secret anymore. It's not supposed to be a mystery. Our country should know what, um, what preaching is. But it's strange that a lot of them don't. They put their collar on backwards and mumble a few little old things and they're sweet, sweet, sweet. Uh, let me see, I... I meant to go over that this morning to get that fixed in my mind, but this week I heard uh, come in on my phone about the top five preachers. You heard it. I think you can help me with it. The, fire, for the top five preachers that are making lots of money and are well known. And number five, you remember who that was? Who? Pat no, he wasn't. He wasn't. Huh? Pat Robertson. He's one of them. I was thinking he was four. And then uh, the next one up was who? Yeah, but he was the third one. But he was some uh, black guy with a funny name. T.D. Jakes. Jakes ended up toward the top. And um, who, who was the top one? You know him when I tell you. Kenneth Kofer. Kofer. Worth about 800 or 975 million. Amen. Silver and gold, he says, we have much. Have we plenty? That's what he said. Silver and gold, have we plenty?
And people are following that stuff hook, line, and sinker. You understand what I'm saying? And I, I wish I'd have got those pinned down. I thought I had them pinned down pretty good in my brain, but I slept. And it rolled out. But we got a mystery of the preaching of the Word of God. And God had kept it secret since the world begun. And or began. And now look at verse 26. It said, but now... It's not made secret anymore. Is made manifest. Manifest means brought to the open. We're talking about the mystery of the preaching. And by the scriptures of the prophets. From the word of God it's been unfolded. And the Holy Spirit's revealed it. According to the commandment of the everlasting God. Made known to all nations. For the obedience of faith. God now has made preaching. Open to everybody that wants to know it. Someone got a closed mind, don't want to hear it. You understand that? I get up and talk about T.D. Jakes and uh, what's his name, Smiley. And all them guys. And people say, you ought not to say nothing about them. They're not real. They're in the ecumenical world. They're pulling the world religion. That's what they're doing. I wouldn't say nothing about them. No. That's why you don't have the pulpit. Amen. Franklin Graham. Yeah, he's right in that. People love, for years, they loved Billy Graham. And for early parts of my life, I did too. He was one of the strongest preachers I have ever heard back when I first started preaching. And then he got to running with the Catholics and got to running with all that crowd today that don't believe in the truth. And he went astray. Did you notice in the last 20 to 30 years of Billy Graham, he didn't run many of those crusades? He was doing it all the time. You know why? God pulled him out of it. Because he changed his mind. Let me just give you something. I went into... Uh, place to get a, a sandwich yesterday and I sat down and I s blessed my food and started to eat and I heard somebody talking in the back and I said I've heard that voice before I wonder who that is I'm saying who is that who I, I couldn't see them they had their back to me I couldn't see them and I said Somebody I've heard, I know that voice. And then it dawned on me that it was a, a man that used to go to Church of God in Demarest that raised three boys. And I said, it can't be him because I know he's dead. But I heard him talking. And this boy, as one of his sons, was talking like him. I mean, with his voice. And I looked back, and when I did, I recognized him. It's a boy I went to school with. This man had raised three boys. Two of them were twins, and one of them was a young fellow. And the twins, this man taught them, and I know him well. He was a, he was a righteous man. He loved God. He followed God. Their daddy was a sweet man. He loved the Lord. And their mother was a precious woman. 
I know them. I used to go visit them. They used to come and see me and my wife. And uh, never had no bad dealings. He had a, left this world with a very good testimony. But one of the twins married about four or five times and decided that wasn't going to be good enough, so he leaves out that relationship and starts going with men and became a homosexual, contracted AIDS, and died at a young age with AIDS. His brother, his twin brother, is the one I heard yesterday. He don't have but just nubs for his fingers. Had to take them off because of sugar diabetes. And they've already taken off two legs, and he's got two prostheses, ain't that what you call them? And he is rolling around with a cart. He'd been married four or five times. Chased women most of his life. Lost the limbs of his body. They had one more boy. They had a brother. He married a little uh, girl that was a pastor's wife out of Cornelia. He's been living straight, lives right over here. He works. I know him, see him a lot. He was the straightest one of all of them. Lives clean and godly. Him and his wife takes their children to church and constantly goes to church. He's never had no physical problems or any problems that you could really say serious enough. Now what does that tell you? Let you know that God wants us to live right and clean. And if you don't, you'll pay for it. God will take you out of here. And so, you've got to honor the Word of God to some degree. And I, get, I could get a sermon off of that. I could preach that. It'll work. Because that's the way it is. But we have today the mystery of the preaching of the Word of God, which is by grace here, it says, of the grace of God. But it's now been manifest by the Scriptures and of the prophets. What they preached is what we preach. But just in more clarity, according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Now let me tell you something. You know what God wants to do? He wants to use people. Now, He can't use everybody. Some of you in this building, He may not could use you. I don't know. I don't know your life. Number one, to be used of God, you've got to be saved by the grace of God. God will not, cannot, and does not use an individual that's never been birthed into the family of God. Amen. Our churches are filled with people that are trying to live for God and don't know God. That's why their world turns upside down. That's why they get distraught and things happen. Of course, on the other side, the more you love God, the more the devil will fight you. So you can't go in and say, that's had this trouble and that trouble. It might be because they're living for God. Paul did. So don't be judgmental on those things. Use righteous judgment. The second thing God is looking for in your life and mine
He's looking at what kind of Bible we use. Somebody says, well, I'm a King James person. Well, that's good. Do you practice it? Do you obey it? Do you listen to it? It's one thing to have one. One thing to say you believe it. But it's another thing to practice it. And God is looking for somebody that will take a King James Bible because it's inspired. He wants somebody that's got an inspired Bible. I think I mentioned this the other day that some of the churches are put out there and they say, uh, we're we're King James. And if somebody says I'm King James and they say that's my doctrinal statement, I don't pay much attention to them. I don't give them much credit. You said they said they're King James. I know. A lot of people say that. But then... I like to look and I ask them, how do, you, how do you feel about the King James Bible? I believe it's the right Bible. You do? Uh, what about it being the only Bible? Well, they change their mind. Check this out. When I'm telling you this, somebody does that to you, you check them out. Well, what do you think about it? You think the other Bibles are the Word of God? Some of them are. They tell you them kind of things or hum all about it. They're not King James. So what I'm looking for is, do you believe that that book, the Bible, the King James, is the inspired, preserved Word of God? You believe God inspired those words under men of the Holy Spirit? Do you believe that those words have been preserved and what you've got in your King James Bible is what God has preserved through the writers. Yes, I do, preacher. Then why don't you say that you believe in the preserved Word of God? You hear me say it a lot. I believe you do. And it's because I believe that this book is preserved. Now, some of the other books they call Bibles contain some of the Word of God. But mine don't contain some of the Word of God. It is the Word of God. Well, I just don't know where I can accept that or not. Well, if you don't accept that, you're not going to be able to be used of God. God blesses those who believe in the inspired Word. Third, God can't use you and bless you unless you realize today that the Spirit of God is in control. Amen. I believe God leads and guides and directs. And I won't say too much about that. I believe God also uses those who have a hungry or a hunger for the Word of God. If you don't have a hunger for that Bible, you're not going nowhere. You're just taking what you hear and slap it and you don't dig deeper and try to dig in further and learn more. There's something wrong. You said, I just can't seem to gain anymore, but I sure keep trying. That's what you've got to do. God uses those. You've got to have a desire for the truth. There's a lot of people who don't want to know the truth. I tell them the truth sometimes, they don't want to hear it. You're saved by grace through faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, all by grace, plus nothing, minus nothing. They just look at you like, so? They don't understand that. But that's how we're saved. Amen. By grace, through faith, and the shed blood of Christ. And you need to call upon God for that truth. And God will use you. Time's going to, it's done caught me. And I ain't even got this mystery done either. 
Amen. The mystery of the preaching. It's a mystery to the world, isn't it? It's a mystery to a lot of church people too. But thank God for it. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you. Touch our hearts, our minds, and souls. I pray your will might be done. May the hand of the Lord look out on us today and bless. Touch the remainder of the service. Use it for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Praise God. Amen.